Hey, good morning, everyone. I invite you to stand. Let's praise God. Let's sing God is able. God is able. He will never fail. He is almighty God. Greater than all we seek. Greater than all we ask. He has done great things. Lifted up. to life our God is able in his name we overcome for the Lord our God is able God is with us God is on our side, He will make a way, far above all we know, far above all we hope, He has done great things, lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is Good morning. Uh, welcome this morning to our service here at Bloomer Baptist Church. Uh, my name is Tim Jacobson, and I'm chairman of the uh, deacon group. And we're calling a uh, special meeting this morning for just a few minutes to admit uh, 
some new people into membership here at Bloomer Baptist. Now, the McMenamins also told me this morning they'd like to go through this process right now. No, okay. They've been members, members for quite a while. But at this time, what I'd like to do is uh, introduce Daryl and Kathy Muse. And Daryl and Kathy, if you could stand up. Uh, and <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. We're very pleased that they have uh, gone through the process to become members here at church. Uh, they have met with a pastor and deacons, and according to the Constitution, they have confessed Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They've experienced Christian believers' baptism by immersion, and they've expressed uh, agreement with the Articles of Faith and the church members' statement of purpose, desire, and our bylaws. So they have met the requirements and have been recommended by the, uh, the deacons to uh, come before you uh, for a vote to admittance to membership. So at this, point, at this point, I would entertain a motion from the congregation, from a member, uh, to that point. Sam has been so moved to admit Kathy and Daryl Muse as members to Bloomer Baptist Church. Would there be a second? has been seconded, and would there be any uh, comments or uh, additional information or anything? Yes, Greg. Excellent. Thank you, Greg. And you kept it short today. That's a blessing. <laughs> okay, if not, at this time, for those of you who are members of uh, Bloomer Baptist, if you would indicate by saying aye for admittance to membership, uh, do so now. Aye. Opposed? Motion has carried. Welcome, Daryl and Kathy, to membership. Welcome to Bloomer Baptist. And with that, um, I'll entertain a quick motion to adjourn the meeting. So moved. Is there a second? There's a second. All in favor, indicate by saying aye. Okay, thank you. Meeting adjourned. Well, good morning. It is wonderful to be here at Bloomer Baptist Church this morning. You should probably introduce yourself because we haven't been here for a while. Actually, I'll introduce you. I'll pretend it's like on Wheel of Fortune. I'm married to my wonderful husband, Lee McMenamin. Okay, now you introduce me. And this is Mona McMenamin. <laughs> She's my wonderful wife. We want to welcome you to the Bloomer Baptist Church, where our purpose here is to know Christ and to make him known. And if you're a visitor here, <clears throat> in the pew rack in front of you is a card. Please fill that out. Put it in the offering plate when it comes by. We'd love to get to know you better. And thanks to the racers and then all those race fans who came out to CBC and um, Grand Prix. That was last Wednesday. It was another wonderful event full of excitement. CBC and youth group resumed their regular time of meeting at 6.30 p.m. this week. But aren't those races exciting? Who here was a racer? Just clap your hand or make some noise. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> okay. 
Speaking of excitement, we had mentioned this to Pastor and a few other people. Um, I, for those of you who don't know, we were in Florida for a month, and we visited a couple of different churches, but we kept getting drawn back to this one particular Baptist church. And one of the things that really um, stood out to us was they said, okay, time for tithes and offerings, and they put tithes and offerings up on the, up on the uh, overhead, and the crowd went wild, and Lee and I were like, woo! Um, but anyway, they, uh, they make it a point to be joyful givers. So I don't know. If you see me standing up and starting to clap when the offering plate comes around, that's where it came from. So, And that is true. It was, it was, that church was full of excitement. People went to their feet. They clapped. They whistled. They cheered when it was time for an offering. And um, the first week, it shocked us a little bit. The second week, we were right in with them. It's like, wow, what a great way. Rather than, rather than handing that check over like, just take it. No, let's be joyful givers. This coming Saturday is the Men's Renewal Breakfast. It'll be here at 8 o'clock um, on Saturday morning. So be here at BBC for a Saturday breakfast, men. And the ladies will be getting together on Sunday at 4. I believe that's today. Is that next week okay next sunday at four the ladies are getting together 18 or older um this month will be the italian cooking that was previously planned um but we needed to reschedule so sign up at the welcome center or send jessica an email and there is a five dollar charge for this valentine valentine's day is coming up so mark your calendars that's friday february 14th at 6 p.m it's our annual valentine's banquet put on by our youth group the cost is $10 per person. Yeah, Mona, would you come with me? Sure. $10 per person, payable at the door, and will include supper, entertainment, inspiration. There will be child care um, provided by the teens with a free will donation. All proceeds are going to go to future mission trips and retreats for our youth group. So let's be there on Friday, February 14th. And one of my favorite things that we do here is going to happen again on Sunday, February 16th. After the first service um, will be a baptismal service. So please contact Pastor Patrick if you want to learn more about it or if you're interested in being baptized. Thank you. And one quick correction to an announcement that I need to take blame for because it is not their fault, it is not Jessica Bovey's fault, is the men's breakfast announcement says that we'll be having police officer Brandon Poppy coming to talk to us about the state of affairs, you could say the state of Bloomer, and how can we better be praying for our community, praying for our police officers. Well, he is actually being moved to next month because we have an unexpected visitor, Randy Hacker, one of our missionaries, is in the area, and he's going to be available. He called me and asked, and he's going to be available next Saturday morning. So next Saturday morning at the men's breakfast, We'll actually be having Randy Hacker here visiting us and giving us an update and maybe a little devotion, a little challenge from his ministry. Now, if at all possible, I know some of you ladies might be a little frustrated. Oh, I want to see the missionary. Why is he coming to the men's breakfast? And first of all, I'm sorry. That's just how it worked out. He's got another church he needs to be at. He needs to leave right afterwards. But he is going to be staying at Tim and Kathy Jacobson's house the night before. And as long as he's getting there soon enough, um, I believe He says yes, good. We're going to bombard his house, and that would be an open invitation for everyone. So keep an eye on your emails. Take an, uh, keep an eye on the church Facebook page for details as to Friday night, what time we'll be able to have a little get-together at Tim and Kathy Jacobson's house with Randy. 
your family for so long, but also you can keep that in back of your mind. That is just Randy, and we look forward to visiting with him. Thank you. With that, I'll give it back to Brian. Well, let's stand. And this song uh, reminds us that life has its ups and downs, but we can keep praising God because he has said that he will never change. to you with my heart in pieces and found the God with healing in his hands. I turned to you, put everything behind me and found the God who makes all things new. I looked to you, drowning in my questions found the God who holds all wisdom and I trusted you and stepped out on the ocean you caught my hand among the waves cause you're the God of all my days each step I take you make a way and I will give praise my seasons change you stay the same you're the God of all my days I ran from you and wandered in the shadows found a God who relentlessly pursues. I hid from you, haunted by my failure, and found the God whose grace still covers me. I fell on you when I was at my weakest, and found the God, the lifter of my I've worshipped you and felt you right beside me. You're the reason that I sing, cause you're the God of all my days. Each step I take, you make a way. searching God you are my answers in my blindness God you are my vision in my bondage God you are my freedom in my weakness 
sing broken vessels amazing grace and you know this song allows us to sing one of our favorite hymns amazing grace and it reminds us that God can take us as failures and turn us into something brand new that is able to be with him in heaven let's sing all these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered mended and whole empty-handed but not forsaken i've been set free i've been set free How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, I can see you now. I can see the love. Raising up the road 
Let's sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, I can see you now. I can see the love in your eyes. Laying yourself down, raising up the broken to life. You may be seated. God, we're nothing but broken people. We have no capability, God, to love you or love each other. We're not able to worship you. We're not able to do anything, God. And so we praise you that through your love and your grace that we are able to come to you only because of you and your son, Jesus. Thank you for this time of singing and worshiping. We thank you for this opportunity to give you an offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's praise God with one more song, It Is Well With My Soul. Our scars are a sign of grace in our lives, and Father, how you brought us through. When deep were the wounds, and dark was the night, the promise of your love. Yo 
serving communion, please come forward and have a seat. And I'm actually going to dismiss the children's to children church now, as if I don't, I might forget to later because I'm getting pretty excited to be worshiping with you this morning, and I hope you are as well. And we got great stuff happening this morning. We have great worship. We have a great body of believers here gathered together, and we have a great service today with celebrating communion together. I'm going to let Tanner talk about the bread here in just a moment. But first, I just want to say, I love this church. I love being able to worship with you every Sunday. I love hearing your voices loudly praising God with the words up on the screen. Maybe praising God with actions as well. And what a great joy it is to remember words like that. It is well with my soul. And then amazing grace. And I just kept thinking about how it said once I was blind, but now I can see. And sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we feel like there's burdens in our lives, there's struggles happening. Sometimes we don't know where to go. Sometimes we don't feel like we can see. Maybe even it's hard for you to even come to Sunday morning worship and to worship freely, to focus on God. And I just ask you to pray those words as we just sang those words. Recognize the power of God that he can help us see. Cry out to God and ask him to help you to focus on him. Ask God to help you to worship him freely this morning. Let me just pray, and then Tanner can take over the bread part of the service. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this great time which we have every Sunday morning where we're able to come together freely to worship you. Lord, thank you for our salvation, which is so free and clear. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. All right, so we take... Uh, communion as our sign of obedience to Christ. Um, and going from last week, and we talked about um, being a body of Christ and the communion of saints. And when we're talking about this, uh, we said last week we're all parts of the body. We function in different ways. Um, but Christ is our head. He is the one who sits above us, that we take authority from him. We do what he tells us to do. And in obedience to him, in remembrance of what he's done for us on the cross, we take communion. And we take the bread as part of that body. Uh, and John 6, uh, 53 through 56 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat 
the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. How beautiful it is that we can abide in Christ, that we can be part of his body, and that we can be part of what he has in salvation for the world and helping our souls be revived and our souls be well. It's a beautiful thing that we cannot do ourselves. So as we take this bread and eat it, we remember that we are part of his body and that we are called to do the work that he calls us to do. Not the work that we want to do because it, it's a gain for us, but the work for his kingdom that more people may be raised up to life with him. Tim, would you pray for the bread? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together as a fellowship to worship you. And part of this is to, again, remember what you did for each of us on the cross. Your body was broken for us so that we could know you as our personal Savior. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Pray this in your name. Amen. Savior, isn't he wonderful? 
treasure we have found in our new life that we have in Christ. We've accepted him and he's raised us to life. Eat this bread in remembrance of him. When did you get saved? That's a question we often ask other people. We often ask friends. It's a question we've asked many people, even in this church, as you get to know people. It's a question which has been asked or proposed to people each month as we do our men's breakfast and as we've asked people to share their testimony, share their stories of salvation. Well, I was reading a book this week. I wanted to start with sharing this with you this morning for communion. And it says, when did you get saved? And this is a short excerpt, I promise, but it's got some power to it. It says this, there was once an evangelist who would walk around airports going up to travelers and asking them, when did you get saved? His operating assumption was that these people were not saved, and his job was to tell them how to get saved and to avoid the flames of hell. But one day the evangelist got quite a surprise. On one occasion, the person he asked was a retired pastor. The evangelist went up to him and asked rather abruptly, are you saved? When did you get saved? Can you tell me when you got saved? The pastor stopped in his tracks, feeling a bit accosted by the well-intentioned, though somewhat intrusive evangelist. He paused for a moment, scratched his head, and replied, I got saved 2,000 years ago, but I only found out about it recently, then promptly walked off. The evangelist equated salvation with making a decision to accept Jesus. That is true in a sense as the moment when one first believes is a defining event in one's salvific journey. In contrast, the pastor referred to events that took place at Easter some 2,000 years ago, the cross and resurrection, as the moment when his salvation occurred. Again, that is true. The cross and the resurrection are the fulcrum on which our salvation hinges. 
because it is where atonement for sins is made and, and new life is launched into our world. Now this goes on, I don't want to bore you with the continuation of it, but I think you get the point. We like to focus salvation on us and what we do. We like to focus salvation on when did you get saved? When did you accept salvation? And that's great. But we need to focus on Jesus. Because 2,000 years ago, what Jesus did that day and what we remember today with his body broken, the bread, and his blood spilt, the cup, that is what truly made forgiveness possible. That is truly what made a restored relationship with God Tears start to come to my eyes because I think about how too often we put it all on ourselves and we think we're in charge of our lives. We think we're in control of our salvation. We think we're in control of our happiness, but we're not. It's all God. And I don't know about you, but this morning I want to thank God. I want to thank God for his body broken, for his blood spilled, for us having salvation, for us having forgiveness. And I didn't plan it this way, but it's amazing how today that's what we're talking about in the sermon a little bit is forgiveness. Forgiveness. We have forgiveness through Jesus. Forgiveness through the cross. Forgiveness through his body, his blood. A forgiveness we don't deserve. A forgiveness that we couldn't get on our own. We could never earn. We could never do enough works, enough sacrifices. But Jesus was the forever sacrifice, that forever blameless, perfect lamb for us. We can cry out to God every single day of our lives. We can cry out to God, and he hears us because of Jesus. God looks down upon us, and he sees Jesus' blood covering our sins, and we are washed and made white as snow. Can I get an amen? I don't ask for that very often, but praise God for that. Not for me, not for what I'm saying, but for what God says, for what God has done. That is what we do in remembrance of of him today with communion and here in a moment we're going to distribute this cup and what i want you to do is i want you to take a moment and if you're not singing with the band that's okay i just want you to hold that cup look at that juice in front of you not gonna lie it's juice we all know that but we know what it symbolizes we know and we remember his blood and the new covenant that his blood made for us we can look forward to a forever future with God in heaven. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Let's, Greg and Deacons, if you could please stand. Greg, could you please pray for the cup and we're distributing. Heavenly Father, we come before this morning, and we do look at 2,000 years ago that the ultimate sacrifice was paid for us. And Lord Jesus, it only gets better. We look to the cross and say, Lord, praise you, thank you for what I don't deserve, but you willingly gave it to us. There is no more animal, animal sacrifice. There is the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice in Jesus Christ who went and gave it all for us all that believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, this morning as we partake of the cup, let us be a challenge, let us be encouraged, let us rejoice in victory that is won. Then always be honor glorified. Amen.
alone in one church, in one Bloomer Baptist church, but with believers all around the world. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29, it says, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do this in remembrance of him now. Thank you. And please pass your cups to the ends of the aisles. The deacons will collect them on their way back. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you again for this day. We thank you for this great celebration, this great act which we've done in communion. But Lord, I do pray that we don't get so stuck on the rituals, the traditions, the cup, the bread, that we forget about its true meaning. And its true meaning isn't about us taking this little morsel of bread or this little bit of juice. We don't look forward to it for, for it sustaining our life with that physical bread or that physical juice. We look forward to it because of what it reminds us of, this symbolism. Lord, we look forward to it because it reminds us that we are all one together, one body of believers, remembering Jesus Christ, his body broken, his blood spilled, so that we could be forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, I dismissed the children's to children's church early before communion because I was afraid that knowing what we were speaking of today, the forgiveness of sins and how well that just moved right into communion. I was afraid I wouldn't stop with communion. I would just keep on going. So I wanted to dismiss them. Otherwise, they might not have left at all. Um, sound crew, if you could turn me down a little bit. I think we're still turned up from Pastor Tanner.
the focus is on the good news of what Jesus Christ in the gospel gives to us. The good news of what the cross gives to us. His life, his perfect sinless life, his torture, his death upon that cross, his body broken, his blood spilled as we talked about with communion, his resurrection, all this set up a new covenant for us of forgiveness. Forever forgiveness of sins. We are forgiven because of Jesus. But to begin, we must grasp onto the severity of sin. Sin separates us from the relationship with God that we so desperately need and that God initially intended us to have. Sin is a great trouble and so great of a trouble that King David once stated in Scripture that sin tormented him to his bones. Sin sentences us to hell to eternal, eternal torment, to pain and suffering. And there would be gnashing of teeth. I mean, we can go into all those scripture, but I think we don't take our sins seriously enough. We think it harms us alone. Or maybe we do think about how it harms those around us, but we forget that our sins are also against God, the Father Almighty, the creator of the heavens of the earth. And people have many needs on this earth, but there is one need shared amongst all of us. And that need supersedes all other needs, and that is the need for forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that everyone needs. It's something we need. It's something that our friends need. It's something that our families need. It's something that the strangers around us need. And, believe it or not, it's something that our neighbors need and our enemies need. People that we don't even want to talk with, people who we don't think deserve it, they need this forgiveness as well. Forgiveness is hard, and C.S. Lewis is quoted as saying, We all agree forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. But I want to urge you to consider that that statement isn't against just practicing forgiveness to our neighbor or to our enemies or to our friends or to our family, but forgiveness is a hard thing to practice even to ourselves. Because we have a way of condemning ourselves and thinking we're not good enough. Thinking we could never be good enough. Thinking we could never make up for all of our mistakes. And all of that is true. We are not good enough. But God tells us we don't have to be good enough. God tells us that Jesus was good enough and more. Jesus was our once and forever eternal sacrificial lamb. And it's through Jesus, his body, his blood, his life, his resurrection... It's through Jesus that we are saved. But sometimes we experience forgiveness, and yet we try and hold it all to ourselves. We hold on to forgiveness, and maybe we even, we even flaunt it. We talk about it so much. I am forgiven in Christ, in His grace alone, His sacrifice. I am saved. I am free. We flaunt it, but then we don't tell people about how they can be saved. We don't tell them of the forgiveness that they can have and maybe it's we're dumbfounded maybe we just think maybe we're ignorant and we just don't even think to tell them we're just still so focused on ourselves and we're excited for what we have and that's good or maybe it's because we don't want them to have it maybe we try and put these these judgmental ideas on them that they're not good enough that they don't deserve it yet oh look at their life there's no way they could be forgiven we flaunt what we have 
But then we hold on to what we have and we don't share what we have. God calls us to share this forgiveness with others as we have been forgiven. Maybe you want them to earn it. Maybe you just want them to suffer forever. It's hard to show forgiveness. It's hard to practice forgiveness. And one pastor said, there are some wounds that go so deep and leave such a scar that forgiveness is going to feel impossible. It's going to feel wrong to forgive. It's even unnerving thinking about it in this moment. But we are commanded to forgive. And you haven't been told to fight or to overcome this on our own. We're told to look to Jesus. We're told to allow others to help us in this life. And we're called to let God help you as well. I think we forget about that when it comes to forgiveness. Because, again, we, we have this worldly thought about thinking about our own strengths, our own weakens, and what we're capable of. But we forget about what God is capable of. God is capable of forgiving you. God is capable of equipping you with what you need to also forgive others and to show them the love that Jesus has showed to you. To not forgive is to take the role of God as a just judge. And let's just be honest, we are not a just judge. And we ultimately are definitely not God. It's not our right. We're not equipped properly because we are sinful and we fail. We just got done with the Lord's Supper or Communion where we took the bread and we remembered what Christ did. And we need to remember this more every day. We need, we need to remember not just once a month on the first Sunday of the month, but we need to remember daily. We need to start our days out pray, praying to God and thanking Him that He did what we could not do because we don't deserve any of it. We deserve punishment for our sins. But Hebrews 8.12 says... For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Isn't that awesome, guys? Isn't that awesome, church? That God will forgive our sins. He'll forgive our wickedness. And I don't know about you, but that's how I feel sometimes. I feel sometimes wicked. And God says he forgives it. God says he forgets it. God says in Psalms that our sins are as, as far as the east are from the west. He blots them out. He throws them away. But we condemn ourselves. And in John 3, 17, God tells us, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Yet when we look at our lives, do we see a forgiven life? Do we see a free life? Or do we see a condemned life? Because again, I think we condemn ourselves. We, don't, we hold on to things, and you're not condemned. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're following after him, we know that we are not condemned. We are free. We are forgiven. The forgiveness of sins may be a short statement, but it is a powerful statement. But we need to accept the full forgiveness of God. We need to stop holding on to certain things and allowing it to keep us from fully pursuing God, fully committing to God. We need to recognize the full forgiveness that you have. And as you recognize that full forgiveness, you recognize the freedom that it brings to your life. 
You recognize the power that brings to your life. You recognize that you're victorious over your life, but not on your own through Christ. And we can move on to a better future, a better plan, a plan that includes God at the center, at the top of our lives. And that's how it must be. God has not condemned you, but maybe you're condemning yourself. Maybe you have condemned others, and you're not allowing them to live out a life in freedom. Think about it. Maybe there's somebody in your life you can think of right now that they just need to know they're forgiven. You know what? All wrongs, they're forgiven. Let's move on and serve God, worship God, and glorify Him with our lives. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32, Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Which part of this verse sounds like you? Which part of this verse sounds like me? Because I think I'd love, and we'd all love to say that, not one bit of that verse sounds like us except the very end where it says to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. But I think even now, most of us can think of somebody in our lives that maybe we're bitter against. And what's it say about that? It says to get rid of all bitterness. Maybe we can think of somebody that we can just envision and they just fill us with rage, with anger, the brawling, the slander, malice. We're told to get rid of all of this. But we recognize we don't do it on our own. We do it with the help of God. We all struggle with forgiveness. Some of us, it's struggling with forgiving ourselves. And we're continuing to hold on to things that God's saying, I've already forgiven you for that. Stop allowing it to hold you back. Others, it's not forgiving someone or some group of people even. Maybe it's family. I've been to a few family reunions. I know how we can avoid certain people because of things that have happened in the past. I want us to look to Psalm 130. And we're going to see a three-step program to forgiveness. And it shouldn't be anything new, and I'm going to have it up on the board for you here. Now, I'll try and work through this fast. I know I'm already behind schedule, but we might just be a few minutes late today to Sunday school. In Psalm 130, we read this. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Notice the exclamation marks there, because that's how I try to read it, and that's how I see it. And if I put myself in the place of this psalmist, this author, this writer, that's how I would be, be doing it. Out of the depths I cry to you, the depths of my misery, the depths of my pains, the depths of my sins. Oh, Lord, I cry to you. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. Yet let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, oh, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. Now, this psalm continues on for just a few more verses, but those are the main scriptures, the main verses we're focusing on. And in Psalm 130, we see a personal lament expressing sorrow and regret for doing wrong or sin. 
We recognize that none of us are righteous. None of us are perfect. We're all sinners, and this is all of us. We can see how this can be an example for all of us that we, too, need to cry out to God. And that's step number one. Well, first, we will never get anywhere with the thought of forgiveness until we have an adequate consciousness of the nature and consequence of sin. You see, our sin does drive us into the pits. Our sin should drive us into these desperate pleas to cry out to God. Our sin should bury us, but not so deep that we don't recognize that we need to cry out to God. All I'm getting at is our sins are severe. And I don't think we think about our sins as severely as we should. We just think of them as, oh, no, I dropped my remote. Let me just pick it up. God, forgive me. Yeah, whatever. Our sins are severe, and they should shake us to our bones, and they should drive us to cry out to God. So step one is that we cry out to God, and we cry out of the depths of your pain and misery to God. As one commentator stated, and I love this quote, the distressed soul finds relief in cries and tears. In our darkness, our deepest sorrow, it is our privilege to cry to God and to be heard. Let me say that once more. The distressed soul finds relief in cries and tears. In our darkest, deepest sorrow, it is our privilege to cry to God and to be heard. As you cry out, you need to do it from your heart, from your soul. You need to do it with meaning. You need to actually think about what you're saying. Think about your place and where you're at and where you need to be. And recognize that it's with God's help that we can truly get to where we need to be. It's only through Jesus. Step two is obvious then. Step two is confession. And that's what this, this psalmist is doing. He's confessing to God of his sin, of his problem, of why he's in this pit of misery. You're crying out to God. You have him listening. We need to accept blame. We need to confess. We need to open it up and drop it all at his feet. We can confess our sins to God and find forgiveness. Why? Only because Christ has taken the blame and he has already accepted the punishment. It's not by anything that we do. It's because of Christ. Sins are forgiven by Jesus, by his works, by his performance. And number three that we see in this psalm, step three, is live in the hope and assurance of the forgiveness you have received. As you wait for the Lord, live with hope and assurance. You know from his word and his actions that you are not living a condemned life. You're living a freed life. So we look forward to that hope we have. We recognize the hope that we've been given. We recognize the forgiveness that we have through Jesus. God delivers souls out of the depths of their pain and misery. God delivers souls from death and punishment. You are forgiven. You are a new creation, and your sins are thrown out. Your sins are as far as, as it is from the east, from the west. Psalm 103, verse 12. John 3, 1 tells us to see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. We need to live in light of this new identity that we have. You are forgiven, and you are his. I know I share that scripture verse a lot, or once talking about it, that we are children of God. But it's in weeks like this, I think we see how much we need to recognize that. 
We have a new identity in God. We have a new identity in Christ. We don't need to allow our past to control who we are today. Because God doesn't look at our past. God looks at us now and sees Jesus. We are forgiven. Or we can be. Have you accepted Christ? Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. What we talked about with that body, with that blood, Jesus went to the cross. He died for you. That you could have life. That you could have purpose. That you could have hope. But we need him. We need him. Ask him for help today. But I did add one step. And that's step four. Forgive others as you have been forgiven. Guys, I know this is obvious. I know you've been told this a hundred times, but we all need the reminder, and myself included. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not the just judge. God's the just judge. We're not God. God is God. We all need this reminder that just as we have received this forgiveness, we need to forgive others as we have been forgiven. God has shown us unconditional love, mercy, and grace through Jesus taking the punishment that we deserved on the cross. But notice what it says. As you have been forgiven. We often want to wait for people to earn our forgiveness. Or we don't know how to give it to them. But we need to look to Christ's example. And we need to forgive them out of mercy and grace and out of the love of Christ. Verse 3 and 4, as we start to wrap up, says something else. It says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Two things there I want to cover real fast. And one is this. If God kept a record of sins, who could stand? No one. We'd all be doomed by our sins, by our iniquities, by our problems. But we cry from the depths of shame and guilt, and God says, good news, with me there is forgiveness. There is hope. God deals with our sins. He puts our sins behind his back, Isaiah 38, 17. God buries our sins in the depths of the seas, Micah 7, 19. When God forgives, he forgets. He clears the record. He erases the tape. Our sins are forgiven, forgotten, removed, buried, and blotted out. They can never condemn us again. Let that thought just grip your soul now. Your sins, your past sins cannot condemn you. They can never condemn us again. If they're continuing to condemn us, it's only because we're allowing it to. God has already forgiven us and freed us from that sin. And we need to move forward focusing on him. We are forgiven and will live forever. When we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are completely forgiven of all our sin, past, present, and future. Because Jesus defeated death, Christians can have full assurance that we will live with God forever. Let's focus on God. Let's focus on the forgiveness that he gives. Let's ask him for help. When we're struggling to forgive ourselves, when we're struggling to forgive others, Let's recognize that we don't have to do it alone. God has given us our one and others to help us, and we have an open relationship with him to ask for help as well. Let's close our eyes and close in prayer now. If you're sleeping, it's time to wake up. Let's close your eyes and focus on God. Something on your mind? Let it go.
focus on God. Let's pray. God, please forgive me and help me to live a life focused on the hope that your forgiveness brings to my life. Help me to not live as if I am condemned. Help me to live for you, to glorify you. Help me to forgive others and to show them the love that you have given to me and to the world. Jesus' body was broken and blood spilt so that we could have forgiveness, hope, a new, a new covenant with you, a future with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, before you're dismissed... And it's hard to do it at this time. I do have a special announcement to make. I'd like Pastor Tanner to come up for this as well. And go and grab that microphone there. Been a pretty crazy day with a business, announce, uh, business meeting announcement at the beginning, communion, a sermon, and now a special announcement. But Tanner, go ahead. So, um, Carrie and I have been uh, blessed to be here. You guys are amazing people, uh, and God has been putting on our hearts uh, a change for us uh, in the past month or so. been praying through it and considering it, uh, what that looks like for us. Uh, so we will be um, leaving um, with a sad heart. Uh, we've connected with you guys amazingly. You guys are family to us, and uh, it was hard, hard telling the kids this as well on Wednesday. But we are uh, going to be moving back to Florida, actually, for Carrie to be in class for her uh, schooling. Uh, it's just for her, the learning process um, is much easier for that. And for me, um, pursuing something that's going to help stretch me um, and grow me um, to be able to pursue ministry in different areas. Um, so as of my last day of March, the last Sunday, M March 1st, um, so we still got a m month with you guys. Um, and we're going to finish well. Uh, we're going to be committed to you guys, the students, through that entire month. Still got a lot going on. Still want to connect with you guys. So if you guys want to, uh, reach, reach out to us. Uh, and we'll be glad to get lunch or dinner with you guys uh, anytime. So. Thank you, Tanner. And if the deacons are in here, could come up. I'd like to pray over him. And we could pray together. Um, I just encourage you, as he said, talk to him. Pray for them. And pray for the direction that they go and for God to continue to lead their life and to work in their life. And we thank Tanner for the year that he's given us, or just over a year. And he's made some great connections here. He's impacted some lives. And not just in this church, even in this community. As my wife works in the schools, Tanner's been mentoring a kid in the schools, myself as well. And, and we've heard from this, te this kid's teacher about the impact that he's made on this kid's life. So pray for the kids that are going to be left now that they continue to seek God for what they need. And Tanner, you're great. You've impacted these kids' life over the last year, but may they recognize that you've done it through God. And they can continue to look to God. They can continue to look for us. And I'm proud of you. I've loved to see you. I've, I've enjoyed seeing you grow over the past year. And I look forward to hopefully staying connected to see where God leads you in the future as well. Um, Sam, could you pray? Lord God, I just thank you for Tanner and for Carrie. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless them on their journey as they make the changes in their lives. And be with them, Lord, and just strengthen and preserve them in, in your faith, Lord. Lead him, direct him in all that he does, Lord. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen.
Thank you. You're dismissed.